You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. How do you go from being the first solo white rapper to being a master sommelier? Let's connect the dots to the one and only Chris Blanchard. Sitting here with Chris Blanchard, MS, Master Sommelier. Master Sommelier. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about, man. Uh, so uh, the title MS. So I had Fred Dex on, who's an MS before. Yes. And, um, black t-shirt wearing black, Fred Dex. Yeah, rock and roller Fred Dex. Toto yeah. fan, Toto, which huge, there aren't many. Huge, huge Toto fan, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, the one thing we didn't talk about is what, what does the MS title do for you? Um, once you have your MS, because we'll talk about a little bit briefly about the Masters Only scandal that's about a year anniversary mm-hmm. coming up, which is, uh, I just want to fill the people in the listening. The year anniversary. It's the year anniversary. Should we oh, hug? Special moment, yeah. <laughs> I think there's only how many? 270 of you MSs in the th- country? That sounds like a lot. I is think it? it's uh, just over 200. I don't I, know. I'm no, number 92. Wow. Which okay. is cool, I guess. That's, that's, yeah. uh, who was number one? What, what did he... Uh, what did he oh, my he, God, that was... Uh, Jeez, wasn't that Eddie Osterland? Did he preside over like the Last Supper? Is that, is that how old this shit is? <laughs> no, that was Fred Dame. No, that was Fred Okay. No, uh, but the Fred Dame, Fred Dame actually presided over the Last Supper with a baseball bat. <laughs> you know, like kind of, what was that movie? Untouchables where Robert De Niro oh, was the... I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. So, But the MS title, uh, because it's, uh, it is a, um, an incredible standing to have to be a master someone. Thank you. It immediately is a pay raise, correct? Is that the best way to look at it? Well, one oh, of God. the... No. One of the lenses we look at? Not true. No. Okay. It's um, what it is. I always tell people, I, they say, oh, Chris, I'm so nervous about taking the master song exam. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I can pass it. I don't know what's going to do for my career. And, da, da, da. and I said, why not? Don't take it. Why do you have to take it? Right. And they said, really? And I said, yeah. Why do you have to take it? Right. And I said, well, because, you know, I feel like it's a, that's a way to prove myself and everything else. Don't worry about that. If, yeah. if you want to take it for yourself, you know, sort of like a personal challenge, then then go for it. Mm-hmm. But it's a personal experience and a challenge. Once you go through, so there's four levels in it. So the intro exam, you're all excited and happy and you're right. like, I don't know if I can do this. And, mm-hmm. and somebody dropped out of the uh, uh, intro exam when I took it in a long time ago, 2002, I guess. Right. And uh, it was a, a friend of mine. He goes, I'm not going to take it. Do you want to take my spot? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So I went up there and I, I didn't know if I'd pass it. And I got a, I got the top score. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah, I was really excited. The next level, the people said, oh, you got you to do this. And I took it in New York. At the time, there's only three exams. So the advanced exam was held in uh, New York City. That was 2003. And um, so I took it and I passed again right off the bat. And I thought to myself, okay, well, do I need to go further? I don't know. And it became just a personal challenge. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And, uh, and I decided to take it not for money because I didn't, I, I had to pay for everything myself. So the restaurant that I was working at at the time didn't pay for, uh, pay for my exam, which is expensive. You know, it was a thousand dollars at the time, which I, I believe is still around that. And so that was all my money. So I needed to pass it. I was working with Farniente. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, Gil Nickel was alive mm-hmm. back then. Great guy. And he, he had cancer, he had really bad skin cancer. He's about to die. And he says to me, Chris, 
I, you know, we're all thinking about you. And if you, if you're able to pass that exam, it'll just be the greatest thing in the world. And I sure appreciate you representing our winery and doing that. And so, I mean, that was a lot. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. And I passed it. Mm. And I told him right before he passed away that, uh, you know, I, I made the advance. Exam. That's a good so, Anyway, so it's all a personal thing. It's not about anybody that goes into the exam trying to get a pay raise or your job security or anything else. So that's the wrong idea. Mm. A lot do, though. I mean, I know a lot of candidates who are trying. It's, a, it's yeah. an expensive test to yeah. take, really, because you have to buy a lot of wine, taste a lot of wine. Sure. Have, be in tasting it's a, it's and, expensive on your, on your personal life. So it causes stress with your partner, whoever you're with. It causes stress on your family. I mean, you have to be gone all the time. I mean, restaurant business is hard anyway. I mean, you're not, you're not around much. But taking the exam, then you have to do all these extra things. that really causes a lot of stress. Anybody that's been through it has probably either you know, gotten divorced or you know, yeah. gone through. Yeah, It's a high-pressure situation. So, Very much so. Um, the, uh, I find, I know a fair amount of MSs. I find, a, uh, would you say there's a fair amount of them that take it just because it's an academic exercise of excellence and uh and they don't really love wine i find a lot of people to be almost scientific about it and yeah. it seems to be losing uh the kind of passion and the desire that that got you into it got yeah. me into it um i hope not mm-hmm. i don't think so i think uh, the whole master sami exam is about being learning history and learning stories and being able to be a better person on the on the floor mm-hmm. knowing more unfortunately i think sami the whole sami business has gone into this uh, very selfish uh you know i know more than you and i'm better mm-hmm. than you right i've always hated that about yeah. the business i mean people tend to use their knowledge and their skills to sometimes belittle people i totally agree they get intimidated I by hate it that. yeah that's my least favorite thing about wine people and yeah. I'm in the business. I've been doing oh, this 25 God. years. Like, okay, quit bragging about how much you know. I yeah. really don't give a shit. So the yeah. scandal. Can I tell happened. you? Can I tell yeah. you one thing before that? Yeah. The one thing that, that makes me feel really good, not to you know, I I, just, I feel really good. Like today, I was over you know at a restaurant, and uh, the guy introduced me to somebody who's taking the certified exam. And he said, "This is Chris Blanchard. He's a master sommelier, but he's cool." <laughs> You know, and I thought that was really, that was great. And he goes, this guy's down to earth. He just likes wine. He loves wine. He's a great guy. Getting back to the point I was just saying. Yeah. That made me so happy. And right. people say that sometimes about right. me. And I'm like, God, that's great. Right. I'm just like a, a regular guy. Yeah. Because a lot of people do take that knowledge and they lord it over you. And yeah. it just becomes this point of bragging. And I find those are the people who don't really like wine. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> it's funny. just a, it's an academic exercise. And they scored great on tests. I'm like, this is how brilliant I am. Most I don't of really the, give a shit about wine. They're, but- the community yeah. that I'm the, the my fellow master sommeliers are mm-hmm. some of the greatest people mm-hmm. I've ever, greatest people I've ever met in my life. But there's also this um, there's a group of people that are, are super nerds, right? And I don't mean nerd in a I mean nerds a great sure. compliment no. to people. But it's all the people that you know. I grew up I was a nerd too when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and it's all the people that are really kind of angry about being mistreated back mm-hmm. in the day, right? And now they have something to hold over other people. True, I'm gonna show you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna show yeah, you. Right. Yeah. And by the way, it's just it's it's wine, yeah, it's and wine. it's the funnest business. Somebody told again tonight. Somebody said, "Well, you're so happy. You love what you're doing." I said, "Oh my God, it's wine. <laughs> All I do is drink and eat and enjoy life it's and a the hedonist pleasures. Lifestyle, for How sure. can anybody not like this? Right. Yeah, I agree. How is anybody unhappy in this business? Right. That's true. And he goes, "Well, you know, you need to make money." Like, oh my God, this isn't a job about making money. 
when you said that, do you, do you want to take the master sommelier exam so you can increase your paycheck maybe? This isn't a money job. Wine is not a money job. I heard, though, and uh, from Psalms that they want their MS because they will get more opportunity and there is a, an increase in pay. Uh, so uh, it's probably true because people... For some job security. Yeah, some job security, absolutely. Yeah. You get more gigs and consulting jobs, all that kind of stuff. So the scandal happened uh, last year in October, and basically... Um, You're dying to talk about this, aren't you? No, I want, I want to... I, want to <laughs> <laughs> I secretly want to piss on your group. It no. broke it bro- it broke in... Uh, I forget... You, so that was September, obviously, yeah. of last mm-hmm. year. I was in Dallas, and I walked into uh, a retail account. I was I was showing my wine, Vine Hill Ranch. Mm-hmm. I walked into this retail account. They go, oh, my God, have you heard? And I said, oh, my God, no, what? What happened? I thought maybe somebody, you know, I don't know, there was an accident or something. And they said, no, no, there was a, a scandal. All the people that passed, which I think was 32 or something, right. a huge it's class. A big number, yeah. They were all, uh, I don't know, they, 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 took, they stripped away their title. And I was, I was just shocked because generally, and this is, you know, it's probably, I don't know if, how I should say this, but it would have been nice to been, you know, forewarned of this so that when I did, when, you know, when people started talking about the story, at least I had received an email that, hey, this is going to happen, da, da, da. And I, you know, I didn't. And so that made me somewhat irritated at the court. You know, right. I, was, I was a little annoyed with that. And I... I don't know. It would have been nice to be able to have some sort of, I mean, it's a PR event basically. So I mean, the story went out and everybody's talking about it. It would have been nice to be able to have some sort of uh, knowledge or ammunition to be able sure. to uh, talk to people about it. So basically someone was accused of or did leak information about the easiest part to cheat on. is probably the blind tasting. So mm. you have to nail six wines at a certain amount of time. And you have to name specifics, country of origin, vintage, all that kind of stuff. Great. Right. So if you can give somebody that information, that's a great give, right? To like, oh, my God, that's a huge help. So somebody did it. Did they if ever find out who did it? Um, I'm not sure. Right. I, yeah. saw, I, I see you're taking the fifth on this. I look, I'm looking in your <laughs> eyes and you're saying, I'm not telling you. Do you guys know who did it? No. Internally? I mean, there wasn't really anything that was said about it. Right. So, you know. It's one, it's one of those things. I mean, if you have that, in, for instance, when I took the exam, if, I, if somebody would have told me right before I went in to take my tasting, here are the six wines. Right. That would have been a complete disservice to me. And that would have messed me up more than you can even believe. Mm-hmm. Because first off, really? You know, mm-hmm. it's just, who's telling me this? Is this the real thing? And then what do I do? How do I approach that? When I'm, so, for instance, you're sitting at a table and you have six wines in front of you. And you're sitting, sitting in front of three master sommeliers. You sit down, they, they welcome you, and you, you go through and taste these wines you know, within a certain time allotment. And if I would know what all those wines are, I wouldn't even, that's like an acting skill. Right. How do I pretend that, I, although I know, let's say, we're drinking a Pouille Fusset right now. Right. So the first wine is Pouille Fusset. I'd have to think to my head, okay, first wine is Pouille Fusset. And then I'd have to like pretend. It would totally mess me up. Yeah. I would have to pretend that I need to, to say the markers for these wines. It would, it's a complete disservice. Right. And, and frankly, I don't even know, you know, it, I, I guess I believe that the story is that maybe there was a couple of wines that were some to a few people, you know, it's a very small thing that I think that, that somehow two of the wines were leaked maybe. Mm-hmm. And then that would mess you up too, because I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're sitting here uh, in front of these wines right. trying to, which one was that, you know, is that sure. the wine? And I don't think, I mean, I, I, I believe it was 32 passes. And let's say there was two people that had that information. 
of, of which, as I understand it, they weren't very happy to have that information. Mm. So I want people to know that this wasn't a scandal where those 32 people mm. that they all knew what the wines were. I mean, if you hear the story, that's what you generally believe, I think. But that is not even the no, case. I, I can't believe 32 people out of 32 people were cheating. No. That's bullshit. And if you knew two of the wines, what do you do with that? Right. That's true. It just messes your head up. All right. Fuck that guy, whoever it was, or girl, whoever it cheated. Um, let's get off the scandals. I was going to talk about. Thank you for uh, introducing I, the effort. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk about counterfeit wine, but I don't want to go down okay. another scandalous road. But now, all right. So I'm going to. Can I tell you one thing before oh, we yeah, continue? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. was at a restaurant tonight mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there with Ryan Looper. Yeah. Who's a great sure. guy. I and I'm talking yeah. to him and there was an empty seat. And this guy walks up and he said, Hey, do you mind if I sit there? I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. It's freaking David Byrne. It was David oh, Byrne. Shit. And so I'm sitting, so I'm facing David Byrne, and mm-hmm. he was asking about a, a Provence Rosé or something. Right. And I'm talking to Ryan, and while I'm talking to him, I'm like, David Byrne, you know, with my mouth, right. you know, trying to. Right. He's like, he didn't understand what I'm saying. I wanted to say it loudly. And then finally, I, I left, and the guy who's uh, Zebra. Yeah, the guy that was there, the, yeah. one, the wine guy, whatever. He goes, you know, you're sitting next to David Byrne. I said, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, for me, I'm starstruck. No, hey, that's cool. You I used to, so I used to have a job at Chateau Marmont. I don't know I'm if you're familiar. Get to your, I'm going to get to your so this Chateau is, this Marmont. This is Hollywood. Days. This is okay, L.A. Go All right, go. Okay, and right. this is, I mean, everybody knows about John Belushi. You passed sure. away there and all these, Helmut hey, Lang had the accident. Here's a crazy Belushi story about Chateau Marmont. A lot of people don't know, and here's my tie-in. Uh-huh. Um, Belushi was there five days, and he was working on a screenplay about wine and the wine business called Noble. Oh, uh, no way, really? Yeah, called Noble Rod. Oh, uh, no way. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that's, that's what he was working on for five days. Of course, at night, he would just go out and get fucking housed. Yeah, right. So, so I stayed um, in his, I mean, I, so I, I worked there. I was the wine uh, uh, consultant or director or whatever. And so I, ta- I taught service to the staff there, <laughs> which is a great, everybody's an actor. Sure. So, right, nobody yeah. really cares about wine. Mm-hmm. So all they want to do is know. And I said, well, you're acting. So act like you know something about right. wine. <laughs> tell stories. You know what I mean? Right. Tell stories. Talk about, don't talk about, oh, this is blueberry and this is, you know, apple right. and blah, blah, blah. Tell a freaking story yeah, about yeah, this you know, wine. Funny, uh, when Billy Wilder used to stay here <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> yeah, uh, David right. Niven, they loved Bordeaux. <laughs> David oh, that's the crew. I mean, that's, right. uh, so so let's, now you're alienating your entire uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, no one David Niven. Yeah. David right. Niven is. I'm also like Larry Storch <laughs> from F Troop. Uh, <laughs> so Hogan! You, yeah. <laughs> No, that's Hogan's hero. I know, different uh, ones. Yeah. Right, same, sure same era. I'm moving, I'm moving. No, I got it. Uh, okay, you mentioned Chateau Marmont. Let's shit talk. Yeah. Uh, who, who? It was so much fun. I mean, it was a great opportunity. You know, the, the, the way I got hired there, I was I was working at the Sunset Marquee, hmm? which is another great property down the road. Sure. And so, I guess I can tell this story. So the, uh, the GM or the director of Chateau Marmont came at my invitation to Sunset Marquee and for dinner and hmm. so we had dinner with my girlfriend and we're talking and everything and he's uh he's a, a fancy guy huh. and so uh, this beautiful waiter that came over was taking care of us he was chatting up for a while and he said uh he actually uh propositioned him to go work at the chateau Marmont, hmm. which is a complete no-no right right he's coming sure. at my invitation sure. oh my God. and he's soliciting somebody to he's go work for him at the staff. other yeah he's stealing wow. the staff <laughs> and i'm like oh my Okay, all right. And so the owner of Sunset Marquee called me the next day. And he said, you motherfucker. 
you can't bring somebody in here to, you know, to steal my staff. Why don't you get the fuck out? You know, I don't, I don't want you to ever work here again. And wow. so I called him up and I said the same thing back at him. What are you doing, man? You know, and he goes, how much are they paying you over there? And I told him, he goes, all right, I'll double it. Come work for me at the, at the Chateau. Holy shit. Is that cool or That's what? That's fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> and so, I mean, the Chateau is like, well, I mean, that's it's, everything. It's Jim Morrison, Belushi, oh, Crosby, right. Stills, Nash Young. My, I met so many people. Dominic there. Dunn. Dominic Dunn wrote all his OJ uh, stories about the trials. Uh, oh, well, there? Well, from the Chateau Mont. Hunter Thompson, you yeah. know, sliced himself up there. Uh, I mean, there's Morrison so many dived off the roof. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> I met Mick Jagger there. Yeah. I met uh, uh, Easy Rider. What's. Uh, he just passed away. Oh, sorry. shit. Yeah, uh, it's Peter Fonda. Yeah, Peter Fonda. Yeah. I met Peter Fonda there. Yeah. Carradine. Yeah, I mean, all these great people. Right, so now let's let's get to the skanks who were drunk that you had to throw out. Yeah, and, well, um, I mean, who were, I didn't throw anybody out, but there was, I mean, there's a secret smoking lounge there, and Courtney Love, who was great. Courtney Love came and sat down. I was with Dave Finney and a, a winemaker from France, and there was they went to the secret smoking room. It was really funny. So it's right behind the bar. They went back there. Courtney Love came and sat down, and she's with uh, with sorry with the GM of the uh, of the hotel, and we're talking. And she goes. I'm about to go get this, uh, you know, quickie over here. I'm about to bang this guy. I'll be back in a few minutes to save my seat, right? We're like, okay, great. And so she, I know this is really, I shouldn't tell the story. She she walked away and literally maybe 45 minutes later, she came back down with her underwear hanging out of her bag. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. So tell me more about wine. shit. And she looked at me and she, and then she, she quickly looked away. Spike Jones was sitting over there, you right, know, the sure, director. Sure. He's a Spike, Spike, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then she ran away right when I was trying to tell her something about myself. So wow. anyway, that's just one of the few fun stories. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you got and you got all, all the all the young hipsters. I got started. to meet JT, Justin Timberlake. Oh my God! Uh, and and <laughs> was that when he was bringing sexy back? <laughs> yeah. He had already brought it back. Yeah. Yeah. Per- yeah. I personally, I don't think it went away, but that's my opinion. That's one man's opinion. <laughs> Uh, Depends on your definition of sexy. That's that's absolutely true. Uh, so let's let's go to uh, 1987. We're gonna we're gonna 1987. We're gonna we're gonna let people know. We're gonna bring you back to 1987. <laughs> this is Casey Gazem <laughs> on the top and forty. <laughs> 1987 top rappers are Will Smith, Chucky e. D, Ice T, LL Cool J, Cool Mo D, oh, and then this the white, then there's one white rapper called. DJ Vitamix. Yeah. Can you believe it? You. Can you believe it? You were the first white rapper. Yeah, it's true. First solo white rapper. First solo white rapper. Because, I mean, the Beasties were out at that time. Okay. So I I was on Profile Records. I I lived here in New York City in Hell's Kitchen, 49th and 10th, you know. That's when it was Hell's Kitchen. Uh, So bad. (laughs) If y'all listening, I mean, you remember Times Square back in the late 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah. so gross I mean, uh, it was pretty bad it was scary I, w- I went there i guess maybe two years ago and there's like starbucks on the corner my oh, jamaican restaurant's gone garden, and, like yeah. crap and now it's more disgusting it's than so it was awful. in the 80s <laughs> it's kind of true That's what it's kind of like san francisco is now so just boring yeah you know what i mean yeah. Sorry, San Francisco. So, it's my hometown. Oh, tell me about DJ Vitamix. What, DJ Kale was taken. I mean, <laughs> where, where does that name come from? Uh, so I used to be called King Vitamin. My favorite cereal in the world, maybe you remember this, was called King Vitamin. And it was this old guy who kind of looked like uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and he had this crown on. He, right. he looked really kind of scary, yeah. if you know what I mean. He had the crown on. He was called King Vitamin. He had a scepter. And he had this sugary cereal that was really similar to Captain Crunch. Okay. It was my favorite cereal. I loved it so much. 
So when I first started my radio show, this is 1983 when I was like 15, Holy 14, shit. yeah, 14. Wow. And uh, so I called myself King Vitamin and the show was called The King Crusade. And all I did was play rap music, which people hated. This is Portland, Oregon, by the way. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I played, you know, it was like, Obviously, uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash, Fatback, uh, King Tim, you know, all this all Rakim, this stuff. Rakim, I think was right around there he too, would, right? nah, No, he wasn't there. That Eric later? Eric B and Rakim, that was later. Yeah, that was later. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I played all this stuff, and people, and I tried to scratch. So I tried to, you know, bring the records back, and I was queuing them up on, on air. Did, did you wear a tracksuit? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I didn't wear the tracksuit, right? I, I still fit into my Adidas uh, suit, which okay. I'm pretty happy about. Now, now you're bullshitting. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Anyhow, so I played this music and people would call up and they go, hey, I can hear you queuing up the records, man. Everything's coming out on air. I'm like, no, no, it's called scratching, right? <laughs> right. You're like, wow, that's horrible. You know, it's we terrible. We hate you. So I came to New York when I was, yeah, 14 years old. Jesus. And my parents, it was very nice. My parents actually let me go to, I think it's still WBLS. It's still here, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so I went yeah. to WBLS. Mr. Magic was on the radio. Oh. So there's Red Alert. He was on, you know, a different station, WBLS. I went and visited him. And uh, I, I learned a little bit more about how to do the techniques. And anyway, but sorry you, if I'm you, going no, no, on. You, you had a hit, though, didn't you? That world, yeah, so that world. came out. So I went back to Portland, Oregon. I um, I did a song called That's the Way Girls Are. I was, there was a guy named um, Mix-A-Lots or Mix-A-Lot oh, in Seattle. Yeah. So I, I hate him. You know, <laughs> I still don't like him. Right. He's always a you know, kind of a dick to me. And. He was like this whole West Coast thing, you know, with his synthesizers and bullshit. Right. I was always like the New York guy. I just had two turntables and a microphone. And I'd sit there with my elbow and scratch and stuff and look at him and flip him off, you know, at the same time. <laughs> and he, well, obviously he had a big head. And every time I hear that goddamn song, it just annoys the shit on me. That's just, I'm jealous. Yeah, so, so, so anyway, so the song did come out. I got signed to Profile Records in New York. And, um, so that's the way girls are. It came out, it was like number 13, did really good. Hey, all you fellas, listen to my rhyme. The things I say happen all the time. Girls sometimes ain't so damn nice. They ain't sweet like sugar or nice like spice. Innocent looking is their disguise. It was, on, it was called the Black Charts, which is, makes me laugh. So the record came out and uh, Billboard magazine, was, you know, everything back then. So it said, top pick for the Black Charts. DJ Vitamix, that's the way girls are. So that came out like on a Thursday night or something, right? Friday morning at two in the morning, the phone, because there was a phone number, because my, my, my number was on the record, and the phone started ringing. My dad's answering, who's this? He goes, oh, we're calling from uh, Denmark, and we'd like to get, you know, a copy of the record. You know, how do we get it? My dad's like, shut the f- <laughs> you know, hung up the phone, and, and the phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. Wow, that's was, pretty exciting. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. And I woke up, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And then so I the, woke the, up, I owned your tracksuit like a big day, <laughs> yeah. like, fuck this, I own the world, man, right? The record, so the record got picked up by Profile, and then I went on tour with Run DMC, and you mentioned uh, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh right. Prince. Yeah. So, I mean, Will Smith, I can't even believe that little kid. It's like a big movie star. That's it's really fucking neat. cool. You toured with them. But yeah. this was 1987, so you must have got major shit for being a white rapper, right? Oh, yeah, always. I mean, I, I entered these competitions, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, right. a tough neighborhood, San Jose, California. Mm. And uh, people would be like, oh, that's because you're white, man. That's because you're white. You know, and I'd be in these rough uh, competitions. And I don't know. It was kind of cool. Yeah. It was neat. So I'm like, no, man, it's just because I'm better than you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a kick in your ass. Okay, yeah. so then... Uh, what happens? You fall out of the 
record business. Tell me so the I, love story. So I moved to I moved to New York and I and I slept in my friend's uh, bathtub mm-hmm. basically because you know I didn't have any money. I came out here. A profile gave, gave me a job as a rack jobber, mm-hmm. which is basically like I have to go to the clubs and promote my record. Mm-hmm. So I'm sleeping in the bathtub with this guy, and I'm and I'm taking the subway up. Like for one day, I took the subway up and I. I showed up to the uh, record company. I had a suit on, and I, I couldn't tie my tie. I thought, oh, yeah, you, I, should, I should have a tie. So I called my dad, you know, back in Portland. I'm in New York City on the street somewhere. I called him up on the payphone, you know, back then. Sure. I'm like, hey, Dad, how do I tie a tie? And so, you know, I'm holding the phone with my uh-huh. elbow and trying uh-huh. to tie. And I get up to the record label. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing wearing a suit, man? Honky. <laughs> oh, I thought Damn, so. Man. That's what we're supposed to. He goes, here's your first job. You got to go up to the Bronx. And promote the record of the club. Here's some money. So they give me money. So you payola. You're supposed to pay off the DJ and give him the record. Please play the record at this club, right? I forget what the club was at the time. So I took the, the train up there. And I'm on the train. And, like, people started getting off. You know, the further north I went. You know, right. the further up I went. People were getting off the train. There was one lady, this, this wonderful lady, old lady. And she goes, what are you doing on this train? I said, well, I got to go up. She said, you better get off this train now. Because <laughs> where I'm, where we're going, you don't want to go. Looking like that, who you are, everything else. Wow, she was awesome. And so I got off the train, took a cab up there, and went to the club. And <laughs> how was that? I was good. It yeah. was good. I was just dumb. I didn't yeah. care. You know, that's good, man. There's something about just youthful exuberance yeah. and energy, Dumbness? like nothing. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's what you know, that's why they put young kids to war. Yeah, guys oh, like you enough, and I are yeah. going. What hill? Yeah. You want me to do what? I'm not doing that. that. Yeah. I'm not storming no hill. That's right. New Shit. York back then was really, I mean, it was really cool. I loved the city so much. Yeah. I mean, I love, now I come here, and at first I'm kind of like, mm, and then the more I'm just taking the train, doing everything else, I mean, I love it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's talk about some wine. We're going to take a little wine break. Uh, the white we are drinking is uh, Chateau Ronte, Puy Fuisse, a little uh, parcel mm. called Le Burbat. So delicious. Super high elevation, very much cooler here. Uh, it's in Fuisse, uh, all natural yeast, basically a natural wine without all that funky funk funk. And it's fun to say Puy Fuisse. It sounds like you're saying something dirty. It's back in but town. But you're not. Yeah, it is. It, it works. And it, it, tastes, works. It, it, tastes like, I mean, it tastes like corn chowder. I love I mean, it. Yeah. It does. It does so have a kind good. of a chicken stock yeah, quality doesn't to it? it. But yeah, mm. but also kind of that crisp, uh, fresh mineral acid. And then the red we're going to drink, and we're just going to drink till we're done. Wait, the red we're going to drink is Vine Hill Ranch, but it's not here. My the wine that uh, I represent in Napa. Yeah, you know what? But I'm, I try to match the <laughs> wine to the personality, and Uh-oh. the Vine Hill Ranch. Really, is, is that a, what you thought about? You thought about uh, yeah, Cabernet so, Franc. Yeah. So Terry's your man because he's so an knowing, artist. Hold on a minute. Knowing me, mm-hmm. what exactly is the wine that you think I am? And I'm, I'll tell you what what mine is. All right, go ahead. Okay, Terry's your man. So I picked Terry's your man, produced in the Loire Valley, um, like spiritual guru worked with the uh, famous Clojard, uh all biodynamic it's amazing it's super cool planted in 1945 so history it's got brilliance and it's uh it's long lived and it's only made in great vintages so this is why i picked this wine for you because of so happy yeah. and that that region Samur, man yeah. I, I hope you don't mind me talking about it no no for my sure. wife and i went there and just mm-hmm. hung out in the town of Samur. and every time you go there i mean it's it's inexpensive and you just sit around. I had the greatest glass of wine, I think, in my life, just sitting in a cafe. It cost me two euros. Yeah. And it was a white uh, Samoa. 
Greatest thing I've ever had. The history is here. And also just people listening, you should try is Samur and then the little village of Champagny, spelt like Champ, I-G-N-Y, and Samur is S-A-U-M-U-R, just so yeah. you don't go in asking for s'mores uh, <laughs> at the wine store. Uh, but yeah, these wines are brilliant and value oh, and amazing. Uh, really uh, spectacular. So what wine are you? You said, I, I am this wine. What wine is that? Well, I feel like I'm something from the Rhone. I feel like I'm, okay. uh, you know. I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. I think you know. I used to describe wines in, in the matter of celebrities. You know, mm-hmm. like Sophia Loren. And wines either like Sophia Loren or I don't know. I'm Gerard Depardieu. Every wine's like Gerard Depardieu, right? <laughs> angular and weird and smelly. <laughs> I don't think he's angular. I think yeah, he's more face, round. Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking about the nose. Yeah, yeah he's more right. round and smelly. Okay. I, f- I feel like a roan type of guy. Okay. You know what I mean? But hopefully red. Yeah, but I still have all my teeth, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, for me, I... I, I Rhone's kind of like the Walmart of uh, <laughs> France. <laughs> so that's if you ever you go, Sorry, I mean, I, I'm talking about wine. It's fun to describe wines in terms of people. So mm-hmm. if you go to Bordeaux, everybody has a, a really you know, beautiful suit and with sure. a blue shirt, right. and the tie is so... or the, the tie that they're wearing is so tight that it sticks out and goes yeah. down like in right. Vegas. And if you go to the Rhone, you're like, what? where am I? the yeah. hell is this I mean, people are missing teeth yeah you know they have extra eyeballs and i mean <laughs> that's too much people are just rough man <laughs> it's like dude, the wines yeah. are so beautiful yeah they are it's a uh, um, same in some more i mean the, yeah. the people are just fantastic well, there. The, this is uh these are farmers these are farmers to me the loire valley is the artist colony of of the wine world i mean yeah, that's all the rogue off gritters like the you look at the labels they don't give a shit yeah um they yeah, adhere to right. no law. It's it's a pretty lawless area, which I love because that's why there's so much flavor and funk and beauty here. And they're living in the most beautiful part of France. Yeah. I mean, that is it's the breadbasket, the jardin, yeah. the garden of uh, the garden of France. So, uh, so did you grow up? With By money? the way, I am so happy to be here with you. Yeah. I've listened to your podcast all the time, <laughs> and actually, when I, I came out here to visit from Napa, yeah, I knew that you and I were supposed to go out and get a drink and everything else. <laughs> And secretly, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, my God, do you, th- do you think there would be a chance I could get on the podcast? And there's no way in hell I would ask. And then when I saw you yesterday, you actually asked me. And inside, my heart is, like, jumping all over the place. Outside, I'm like, yeah, I think right. I can do that. All right, cool. You can quit kissing my ass. No, it's true. Uh, thank you. I'm so thank happy. You. That, that's cool. I, I was excited to have you on because because uh, we haven't even touched on any, anything really. So did you grow up with money? No, no, not really. no. <laughs> the place I, I grew up in San Jose, California. I mean, so and we didn't have a lot of money back right. at the time. It was like sixty thousand dollars for a townhouse, right. and so we lived there. And everybody, people we knew, whatever, everybody rented it out. Mm. And the area just turned into this shithole. And it's not a white or black thing or anything right. like that. But every every everybody that moved in were dealing drugs. Right. So we had these busts. We had the police that lived. And by the way, right behind it, my room. In the in the back there was a porn drive-in theater, <laughs> which I worked at. Oh by my! The way. No, you didn't. I did indeed. Oh yeah. my god! So I didn't work while the porns were playing, but afterwards I cleaned up with this, <laughs> this Mexican guy, this great friend of mine. And so we, we <laughs> when you say the word "cleaned up," it has yeah, a whole no, new bad. meaning. Popcorn, you know, <laughs> dirty and, diapers, okay. or whatever. And, yeah. Well, everybody, extra, I don't want to get extra to that butter point. on the yeah, popcorn. Extra, I'm <laughs> sure, but yeah, there's a lot of butter. God, like that's your backyard. Although I guess if you're 17 years old, it's. I wasn't 17. I was like 14, which I guess maybe is the same thing. Oh my God! So anyway, it was it was awful. So you're looking at like yeah, 
twenty foot cocks in like <laughs> tits the size of SUVs. <laughs> it's a driver. Yeah, I really grew right. up weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> that explains that, shit now. So that was there. I mean, that closed pretty quick. Let me, it's a true story. I'm not even no, joking. No, I, I fucking and then, believe you. And then the cops would come into our house to stake out our <laughs> next door neighbors. Right. So they, seriously, they would be in my room, you know, with binoculars looking out and trying. This guy ran into the side of uh, the house, the townhouse. There was four. So it was a townhouse, but there was four homes within there. Guy crashed into the wall and uh, ran. And inside the wall of his car and his TV were all these drugs. And so and I was watching the whole thing. So they give you like 20 bucks a day to come in and. <laughs> okay. One other, one one other, quick, one okay. other quick story, if I can. Yeah. While, we're, while we were there, I, would, I had a business. I'm always a business guy, right? So. I had my own business of cleaning up, you know, cars, car washes, houses. So we had these guys that hired us and they go like, oh, I don't have any money. Can I pay you in angel dust, which was popular at the time. I'm like, right. what the fuck? What's angel dust? Here, just take it, man. All right, you're done. You know, I mean, that's a, that's the kind of neighborhood I live. And <laughs> did you resell the angel dust? No, I didn't know what the, I threw it away. Yeah. Right around the corner was a mental institution. And uh, so there was a fence there. This is terrible. I shouldn't even tell this story. There's a fence there. And so you could, if you had a pack of cigarettes, you could get the people to do anything you wanted to. Like, let me see your tits. You know, you give them a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> we just hit a new low. <laughs> it was a big low. Now I know what you did with the angel dust. <laughs> you didn't sell it for dollars. Yeah, okay. Right. Good. Always an That's entrepreneur. That's a terrible story. Please always, edit that. Always an entrepreneur. I'll, I'll think about it. True story. No, uh, I grew up in a shitty neighborhood, for sure. And let me tell you why I asked. Because you, uh, Forbes magazine said that uh, one of the wine lists you put together for Red Restaurant Group was one of the best wine lists in the world. Yeah, You're working cool. at the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco magazine said, yeah, one of the biggest wine personnels, a top wine personnel in San Francisco. So you deal with a lot of wealth. You represent Vine Hill Ranch, a super high end, just scored yeah. 100 points. Congratulations. Napa Thank Cab. You. Yeah, great but wine. so you're surrounded by and you've always been involved in this kind of uh, you know, high net worth individuals you're hanging out with. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I think it's the irony is that the arc of coming from, you know, uh, you know, cleaning up uh, it's not, movie it's, theaters. It's too. not even I, I mean, it's not to me, it's not irony. I mean, I think it's um, it's just a part of having a realistic view about things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we uh, the, the wine that I represent, number one to me. Like I wouldn't take any job, you know, at all. But to to work with the people I do, the family, the Phillips family at Pine Hill Ranch, mm -hmm. um, I'm so excited. And, and the winemaker Francois Bachon, the uh, vineyard manager. There's four of us, and it's a small little production. So tell me who Francois Bachon is. She uh, she's a fantastic winemaker. I mean, she worked at Araujo forever. She's a you know she she's a winemaker up in Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. She's our winemaker for ten years, ten vintages now, and. And she just has such an amazing uh, knack for. I'm I'm in awe of her, to be honest. I mean, she'll she'll lay out. I, I think I'm good at wine, but she'll lay out like ten different wines and ask us to, to, to kind of go through them. And as a, a layperson, you you taste your everything is so amazing, right? right? And then so I'm going through this, and you know I'm trying trying to be, uh, you know, smart about it. And I'm tasting every wine, and every wine is freaking amazing. And then there's one, the more that I go through it, one wine just keeps talking to me. And it's called, it's, a, it's, a, it's something called soul, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. S-O-U-L. This, this wine has soul. It has personality. It's something that sticks out. 
And that's hard to do. And that wine, I said, Francois, is, is this the, this is my favorite wine. What is this? She goes, well, that's the blend. And yeah. like, so you can, and this happens every single year, mm -hmm. you know, to have that soul and personality, you can have a great wine, but if there's something else that sticks out. I totally agree. I talk about this. Uh, it's weird. It's an energy. It's what an it energy. is, is energy. That's what I call it. I call yeah. it an energy. I taste something. I'm like, man, that wine's electric. Yeah. It's crunchy. It's simple. It's something. It's just like, I something don't know why this just you. keeps like, yeah, it's kind of, something happens on a cellular level. I, I not, I, listen, I've had a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, I, I opened Red Restaurant. I mean, I worked in the Napa Valley as a sommelier for many years. And there's very few wines that have that. There, there are wines like that that have that. And I'm talking about not just Napa Valley wines. I'm talking about wines from the Loire, wines from... You can tell as you taste through a wine, you know, every, everything tastes great. Everything's great wine. There's so many great wines. There's things that stick out. Mm. And that's I what I look for as a wine buyer. Mm. Obviously, you've been gifted or food. Uh, I mean, you're gifted to pass the MS uh, with a certain amount of ease at the beginning. It's always an it's an arduous journey. You you did it. Um, it's great to see. I see a lot of MSs who just become national brand managers or consult. It's great to see you. Um, you represent a great property. You continue to like like that hustle you had when you were like 15 years old, right? Yeah. And you're you're making music and you're in the New York by yourself and uh you know um, yeah. the lifespan lifespan is short. You got to do everything you can. Any I tell my kids, so I have now four kids. And I tell them take any opportunity you can. Anything that comes at you it may seem weird, may not seem right, may not like it, take it. Mm. If it comes to you, take it. Because what it'll do is lead you to another thing you never even thought about. I never thought about wine back in the day. Right. I wanted to be a film director. I went to film school at University of Oregon. And then I became, oh, I went to law school. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, so while I was selling wine with Gallo, that was my first job, I went to law school. Take any opportunity. Right. Things come to you as Did a Did you gift. ever practice law? No. no. I could see you representing Larry Flint. <laughs> but no, sorry. I love yeah. contract. Right. I love contract law. Do you really? oh, yeah. That's, that probably still serves you with your businesses now, right? So um, here's the thing. We always talk about food and wine. You live in Napa. Yeah. Right? So everyone's got, oh, I'm going to Napa. Where do I eat? Where do I eat? So besides mm -hmm. the usual places, do you have a couple of places? And we're going to get to your fried chicken and champagne stuff yeah. that you do as well. That's, but, all, that's always tough. I mean, yeah. there's places I go back to. I mean, I, I, I like French food, so I love mm -hmm. Angel. Angel mm -hmm. restaurant is fantastic. Yeah, I love going there. I like Mexican food. So I, I used to go to this place called Compadres, mm -hmm. which had really bad food, but good margaritas. And yeah. now I go to a place called Red Hen that's been there forever, Okay, which is the same thing. Actually, it's bad margaritas and okay food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also somewhere I can disappear. So if, if you are going to Napa, I always recommend like Angel is fantastic. Okay. There's a little um, um, uh, Himalayan place called Yak and Yeti, mm -hmm. which anytime you have yak in the title of your restaurant probably isn't a good thing, but you know, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had a running joke for everyone where yak cheese was the punchline. And you, so you can imagine what the setup was, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Bistro Don Giovanni, Don yeah. Giovanni's great. Old school. It's yeah. always fun. Old school. Yeah. yeah, I love little Italian places. Aww. And your favorite city to travel for food? Oh, easy. New Orleans. Really? Okay. Huh. Not even a doubt. Okay. Give me the top three in New Orleans. If people listening go, I'm going. And so, I mean, New Orleans and Paris. Yeah. yeah. I'll die. Okay. I'll die there. Okay. Either place. Okay. Uh, top places in New Orleans? Yeah. Dookie Chase. Okay. And she just passed away. She's my uh, hero, my inspiration for chicken, soul food, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Miss Leia Chase. 
She was 94 years old. She catered our wedding. Oh, she did our cool. rehearsal dinner. Most beautiful woman ever. I mean, she's just fantastic. So she she did our wedding. Uh, Mr. B's mm. is sort of a, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's right across from the Hotel Monteleon, mm. but they have the best barbecued shrimp I've ever had in my life. Okay. Um, oh my God! There's so many okay, so many uh, places. To go I just like to give people a little like, hey, if you're traveling, um, the love to place give called you. the Chart Bar on Charter Street. Okay, uh, that's incredible. It's an industry bar. It's a great place. There's always some weirdos putting music in uh, <laughs> our, our money in the jukebox. Right. And New Orleans is just the most soulful, real in your heart city. Favorite place to go? Um, Top five there? Yeah. Or, oh my God! Yeah, that in okay. Paris. I mean, we're, okay. we go to Paris every year. We don't go to Paris to do anything fancy. We just go to walk around to pretend we're French. You know, I mean, we, we get an Airbnb. We're take, we, we just had a new baby or we just had a baby. And so she's uh, about two months old. We're going to Paris next week or sorry, oh, cool. next month. And oh, very cool. And uh, yeah, no, it's always just fun. Bistros, walk around. That's a great place. I mean, obviously New York's so much fun. What's your favorite place in New York City? Because a lot of listeners are New York. Wow. That's, wow, that's, that's really it's hard. Because it's really the hard. obvious, but. I'll tell you the, the place I love. I like Bemelman's. At the Hotel Carlisle, if I'm going to oh, go wow. out and have a drink. Okay. You can't help but feel fancy. You mm. sit there and you can have a cocktail, a, a Manhattan or a martini. Yeah, it's You listen to the, the band is so great. Uh, that's the a good, room that's is a good so tip. great. Yeah. You know, it's one of those places I love. And then, uh, I mean, I feel like a rock star, 11 Madison Park. Yeah, that's you know, true. I love going there. Yeah. They had, they had. I mean, it's kind of fancy food for sure. But I remember they had like a mozzarella ball that was, you know, like, molecular gastronomy right. sort of thing mm-hmm. and you put it in your mouth and it kind of exploded with some tomato and everything wow. that's fun yeah oh, you know, but other i love that, that restaurant and i love <laughs> when i used to live here i went to a place called paisano's on mulberry right it's still there it's still wow. <laughs> it's still okay. there and they have like valpolicella and these really awful wines but you know you can sit outside and yeah. you just feel like being yeah no it's great i, I like love that. frankie's on court street now for the best eggplant farm oh really wow. yeah it's awesome and spaghetti and clams my favorite oh, delay, my God, favorite. i like that too yeah that's my favorite yeah uh so let's talk about uh fried chicken and champagne your love yeah. your love because you do a lot of it's your other business right yeah well so, no i mean i i just i have a weird unhealthy relationship with fried chicken i just love well I'm, i don't know i get involved in certain things and i have to be i feel like i have to be the best at it or maybe not the best but at least i have to feel like I've, I've accomplished what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And for fried chicken, I mean, I grew up as a Popeye's, Popeye's boy. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Popeye's fried chicken. To me, that's one of the greatest restaurants ever. When Anthony Bourdain passed away, he, uh, he mentioned that Popeye's was his guilty pleasure. Like he went there, didn't want to be noticed. He went to Popeye's all the time. Right. I was I'm like, God damn, that guy's great. That Have you ever a- met Bourdain? Uh, I didn't, but I, I showed up the next night at a place in Atlanta called uh, Claremont Lounge, mm-hmm. which is the, I don't know, I love dives, so I'm a I'm a huge connoisseur of dive bars. I mean, yeah. you tell me the city and I'll tell you the best place to go. So in Atlanta, it's a place called the Claremont Lounge. It's a strip club slash sort of rockabilly music, weird, and it's not a strip club like you, you, know, you see like 20-year-old girls. Or, it's a strip club with grandmas. Oh, <laughs> so the average age would probably be seventy. Oh, so or so, and it's, you would, it's so disturbing. You, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's really disturbing because so this beautiful lady will come and, you know, sorry to say it, and she'll touch her nipple yeah. right in front of you, and she yeah. looks like 
your great grandma practically <laughs> it's and then she'll those, smile and then walk like, away if it wasn't for the varicose veins <laughs> she'd have no color at all kind the thing of is like, you don't want to look the thing is you don't want to look so anthony bourdain and alton brown happened to be in there the <laughs> night before because I'm, I'm there and i go oh, i'm from napa valley you know whatever we were talking i was talking about they serve the whiskey in these like dental cups plastic cups you know where you after they clean your teeth you rinse right. you know and so they serve so you have a maker's mark in that or a Jim Beam or something. I guess Jeffrey Epstein was never visiting this club as uh, the age oh, of these strippers. No, way too. <laughs> That's pretty Too those, soon? Too those, soon? Those, yeah. yeah, maybe too soon. We're, those are some working working ladies. And they're so wonderful. And you, yeah. yeah, you just look into their face and say hello and, <laughs> and, and keep moving. And imagine them knitting. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with the, the beginning of that. With but the, the Baudin thing was uh, his love of chicken. Yes, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, Popeye's fried chicken is just fantastic. That's always been my uh, sort of benchmark. But then when I went to uh, Dookie Chase in the Treme out in New Orleans, I don't know if you've ever had this moment. You've seen the movie Ratatouille, right? Yes. So in Ratatouille, um, the critic, whatever ego I think his name is, and he sits down at the restaurant where the the mouse is cooking, and he, he orders Ratatouille. And so it comes out, and he tries it. And then all of a sudden, there's this vignette, which I'm, I'm getting goosebumps on right now. It actually made me almost teary. So there, there's a vignette where he's trying the ratatouille, and he, he flashes back to being a kid mm. and then playing with a ball and you know having the ratatouille, and then he grows up. And this whole thing that just you know, goes right into his, into his brain, this whole flashback. And it was so beautiful. When I, so when I went to Dookie Chase... And uh, Le Chase was cooking, and um, I tried the fried chicken. I was, like, blown away. And then I said, do you have collard greens? And she goes, oh, yeah, we got collard greens. We, I'll, I'll bring you a cup. And she goes, it's $5, though. And I said, oh, oh that's fine. Thank you. Yeah. So she brings the cup out, and I'm with my wife, you know, and, and I try to taste of these greens, and then something, something happened to me. Hmm. Something magical happened to me that I've never had. I mean, I've eaten at the great restaurants of the world, right? right. But this one little cup of, of collard greens i don't know did something did something mm. to me it, it, it did you know i mean it's hard to explain right i don't know if you've ever have you ever had that experience you know i it sounds so ridiculous because but i tell people this like years ago kale i would eat kale and now i eat kale and go, oh just jumping on the kale train are you <laughs> the oh kale yeah train. that's it but yeah. i said no because when i first had it years ago in a salad something happened like i almost felt like my body was craving something nutritional that was there that it was longing for and so now i still love kale it does something for me did like it, broccoli rob does the same thing for me did it but it did really move you yeah, I mean, people make fun uh, of us if we if they're listening to this conversation. Right. Broccoli, Rob, and kale, yeah. <laughs> no, but this this thing, and I I bring the word back, soul again, mm-hmm. because this thing had so much love and soul. One more quick story. When I the one, one of the first times I went to New Orleans, I was um, so I flew into the airport, and I'm I'm driving out in a taxi, and there was a um, a gas station, and the guy goes, "I'm going to get some gas." Okay, cool. I said, I'm going to go out and get a little food because you know, gas stations in the south is where the best food is. Right. Anyway, so I go in and uh, and they have po'boys and all this stuff. And I said, oh, can I get the uh, roast beef po'boy? And she goes, oh, yeah, sure. And so it took her, I mean, it was like 15 minutes or something, right? And the guy's like complaining. And she comes out and she said, she held my hand. She put, you know, my hand in hers, this beautiful old lady. And she said, I'm going to tell you something. I made this today, but what I did was I made it with love. I mean, I put everything into this for you. 
this has so much love into the sandwich. And I'd like, it kind of blew me back. I'm right. like, okay. Anyway, so I tried the sandwich and I'm like, Jesus. I mean, it just, wow. I mean, oh. it was drippy. It was beautiful. Oh, it was I love delicious. Boys, man. But you know what? That's the difference. It has love. Yeah. When you taste a great wine, you know there's no bullshit in it. Mm-hmm. You know there's love in that wine. Yeah. yeah. And that's a difference that people don't understand. There is soul and love in some of these wines. And I try a lot of wines. I like every. To me, I love wine. Any wine's good, you know, for the most part. Right. But sometimes something happens in that, and you're like, somebody put some love into that thing. Right. <clears throat> There's something, I agree. It's something, I don't know why, you just yeah. fall in love with it. Right? That's, the like one, love. that's the one thing of studying wine that I have learned to appreciate, the soul and the love that comes into a certain wine. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. It's like meeting your soulmate sometimes. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? It's very rare, and it does happen. So your your love for pairing fried chicken with champagne? Yeah, well, it's a natural. I right? right. mean, champagne is great with anything. Right. But when you have really good uh, fried chicken, my my chicken is spicy. It's hot. It's got soul. It's got love. It's What's got all the secret? Stuff Any do. secret ingredient you want to give out to somebody making fried chicken? Well, yeah, I would, but fuck them. No, no. no? <laughs> the thing is okay. to use uh, stuff that you your guilty pleasure. So a lot. Of, I like pork rinds, chicharrones, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean they're. I don't know if they're available available that much out here in, yeah. uh, in new york but in california you get like limey spicy pork rinds anywhere right a bag of them and if you crush those up in your uh blender or cuisinart or whatever oh nice and then throw those into the batter or into the dredge i should say yeah. oh my god so uh, flaming hot cheetos they have chipotle which is really good and wow. then uh, uh frosted flakes really yeah yeah you can't deny it what's your what's your guilty pleasure tony the tiger what's your guilty different? pleasure for snacks for snacks come on funyuns funyuns <laughs> you grind up funyuns put no. it in that chicken oh what is my guilty pleasure i got a salt and vinegar potato chips when you're drunk and you're coming home salt and you pass and by a 7-eleven or something where are you going salt and vinegar potato chips there you go. that's yeah. it for me so what you I should have do no sweet tooth it's it's always salty savory like i don't give a shit about crush sugar. those things up man put it in your whatever your okay. dredges yeah all right You'll love, be happy. I love that's the that's the tip. Uh, that is the tip. I want to say thank you to Chris and so uh, Vine Hill Ranch. We can yeah. find that wine. It's rare. It's 100 points. Again, congrats. That's a really really great. It's just a it's of. it's a wine that has 150 years of history at that right. vineyard. It's a, a historical, amazing vineyard, and and we make a little bit of wine from there. Mm-hmm. And if you can find it, it's a real pleasure. I have to say. Cap Funk matched your personality. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Bye.